Hi, Phil. Welcome to the Green Element podcast. You work for Embedded IT. Would it be possible if you tell us a bit more about who you are and um, what Embedded IT is, please? Yes, of course. So um, Embedded IT is my own consultancy. We're a very small company. There's only three of us, but we do uh, IT commercial management and procurement consultancy for some fairly large clients and some IT companies as well. Um, So our, our niche is really to advise clients on how to buy IT stuff. Um, or how uh, IT companies can work with each other in that sort of context. Okay. And when you say stuff, is that hardware and software, or is that just hardware alone? It, it's, it's, it's all aspects of, hard, of the IT portfolio. So that's hardware, software. Um, we're doing a lot around services at the moment, because obviously people, there's a lot of skills gaps in the, in the technology space, so there's um, a big market for that. But also we get involved in telecoms, so you know, voice and data type connectivity services. Uh, so we can do the full, full stack of, of IT from connectivity right up to applications and software and you're obviously on this um show because of sustainability and environmental management and bringing what you've just said into context around services hardware software um and connectivity etc how does that how does sustainability fit into um either any of them all of them I mean, so, for example, software. Like, does it d- does it come into it? Do do uh, do people think about where things are held? Or um, I, th- I think people think about where things are held, but not necessarily from a sustainability perspective. And this is one of the reasons why I'm really keen to get my head around how all this works in a bit more detail. Um, so, you know, if you position me as a procurement person, you know, people who buy IT stuff are under a lot of pressure. Um, from generic procurement processes to assume or consider sustainability practices as part of their CSR goals. Um, but I think in the world of IT and the IT supply chain, it's not as transparent as it could be. And I think as people get more into using IT, both hardware and software, um, it could, we could do some really good things and have a profound impact on the environment. Um, or we could do some really bad things and have a profound impact on the environment in the other direction. So I think it's really just trying to understand how we can help the technology industry um, leverage the technology skills they've got and the, the, the capabilities they've got to, to add good to the environmental impact of you know, day-to-day businesses. I know one of the questions we're asked quite a lot at the moment when we carbon footprint organisations, they, they actually do tend to be the larger organisations, but it's where our data is stored and so for example one of the big ones that also has a shop um haven't been able to answer um any of the environmental questions that we put to them and i think for me it's not necessarily that they're not answering it's actually more that people are asking that's actually quite interesting and it's becoming more and more normal to ask as well Mm. and i think you know originally so those sort of questions about the cloud and and where data is stored um originally were driven by the GDPR angle. So, you know, data privacy and, and data sovereignty. But I think you're right that sustainability and the environmental agenda is, is rapidly increasing in, in pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, some of the impacts of moving things to the cloud are, are now having to go right through the supply chain to understand what the, you know, where a data center is located, but not just that, you know, how's it cooled, how's it powered, is it, is it using environmental means to do so? And there's some really interesting approaches being taken to those sorts of um, uh, services, which you know I can elaborate on if, if you like. But, but fundamentally, it's, it's it's a really interesting area to be in. Mm. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. And um, 
you've actually given us a few helpful hints on um, questions around the environmental impact of the um, your industry. And I think one of the things that I'd quite like to just explore at the moment is the rare materials. There was a report that came out last year that everyone has been talking about. Do you think that's made an impact on people's decisions? I, I, I think the, the rare materials piece is, is interesting in the context of the fact it's a very physical manifestation of the environment and um, clearly it, that's one aspect of, of the consideration for buying technology. But I think that the whole industry has quite a broad range of impacts. And, and I say we touched on things like the cloud and, and the use of power. Um, the fact that very few items are recycled at the moment from a, a hardware perspective makes it difficult. There's a lot of um, plastics used in IT. So you know, that, that has an impact. The fact that the bulk of uh, IT assets are manufactured in um, Asia or, or you know, a long way away from, from where the bulk of the buyers are uh, means there's a lot of supply chain overhead to the environmental, environmental impact as well. So, so there's lots of considerations that I think people are slowly waking up to but we lack any real structure by which we can ascertain the impact of a particular product or a particular company um, on the environment in the context of buying technology. And you know, certainly from a procurement standpoint, it would be really good if we had a bit more focus on IT companies to, to, you know, to your point, mm -hmm. that the large retailer stroke IT company should really you know, be under pressure to announce their environmental impact in the same structure that everyone else is so it becomes part of the assessment criteria when you're looking to buy technology because mm. one of the th one of the when we buy laptops we buy refurbished and then we also go for lenovo um and we're only going on you know what greenpeace and um other um people have highlighted as better um products i mean is there anything out there that we that you know of that would help people understand what products to buy not that i'm aware of i mean right. i think so there's a number of layers to the market which is probably worth just exploring mm. there's a lot of focus on the manufacturing aspect so so if you think if you think of the technology market in sort of two main layers that there's a manufacturers of hardware and software um and they create products that that then goes you know to end users to be consumed and I think most of the major manufacturers have got some semblance of environmental um, and broader CSR policies and statements which they publish, which, which can be accessed if requested. But I think the if requested point is the point. You, know, you need to do a lot of digging and a lot of investigation to get um, some of that information out of those manufacturers. And in some cases, those manufacturers don't want to share. So that the hardware manufacturer side of things is, you know, could be done better in my view. Um, software development is, is a slightly different uh, conundrum. Obviously, people who are developing software, there tend to be big bunches of people in, in buildings. You know, there's not a lot of manufacturing. It's, it's, it's virtual, if you like, non-physical manufacturing. And therefore, you know, the environmental impact is, is, a, is a bit different. Um, and if anything, software, I think, will allow us to use clever techniques to, to reduce environmental impact on some of the requirements for IT going forward. That, that's definitely a a thing that is worth pursuing and things like automation, which we can talk about potentially later. Um, but that, if you if, if imagine that's the vendors, you know, the, the Microsofts and HPs and IBMs and Lenovo's of this world, you know, they have 
uh, the whole business is about making stuff that people want to consume. And then there's a layer in the middle, um, which most people know as the channel in, in the technology world. And that is the, the thousands of resellers and um, people who add services and add value to those products um, to make them work on behalf of a buyer. Mm. And th those companies tend to be the default route for most people to buy their technology. And I think if anything, it would be really useful to incentivize and assist that channel layer um, to do that investigation about environmental impact on behalf of the buyer. So in the same way you'd ask um, a Lenovo reseller for a price for a laptop, you, know, you should also ask, okay, what's the environmental, environmental impact of this laptop? You know, what rating does it come with in terms of carbon footprint? Where's it being shipped from? All the sort of things that think in, informed buyers, mostly corporate buyers are asking at the moment, you know, they, they should be asking those questions and the channel should be in a position to answer those questions. And at the moment, I don't think that channel layer has a clue where to start. And going on to the, um, you know, you, you've, the one company you didn't actually mention just then was Apple. And I mentioned Apple because I don't know, and I actually don't know whether it's, people who own Apple are very proud of open, owning Apple products, so therefore they're much more likely to be vocal about the fact that it's been around for five years or their computers lasted for seven years. And I, and, but my gut feeling is Apple products that do last longer. That's my gut feeling, just because otherwise people who owned a Lenovo would be going, huh, my, but they may not be as proud, but you just don't hear it enough. So, you must have embedded energy within making a product. So although Apple, and they are actually getting better now as well, they, I mean, Greenpeace massively were on at them about five or seven years ago, and they were very much at the bottom of the list with regards to um, ethical and um, environmental um, you know, building their machines. But now they have got definitely got a lot better. But that should almost be taken into consideration as well. The fact that these, their computers do last a very long time. But like, for example, a car is a third, a third, a third, a third in manufacture, a third in use and a third in disposal. Mm. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, it, it's an interesting, so typical longevity of a laptop in a business is three to five years. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much across the board. Um, I think you're right to say that Apple's products tend to last longer not necessarily because their manufacturing processes are wildly different, yeah? but fundamentally, I think they've got a very loyal fan base and they, I mean, they're, they're good bits of kit. I, I, you know, mm -hmm. I don't really want to pass judgment on individual manufacturers, but fundamentally, you know, they're, they're a, it's, it's a sensible um, product to use if, if the Apple product will support whatever you're trying to do with that, that piece of hardware. I think the, the interesting thing is you could then flip that on its head and say, if you look at the iPhone and they bring out a new phone, the iPhone every, uh, every year and everyone wants the latest one, um, and so they chuck their old iPhone in the bin after a two-year contract. That's clearly not an environmentally good thing to do. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily the manufacturers that have got a lot of control over this. Um, there is a consumeristic view of the world now where I chuck my iPhone in the bin every, every two years, I'll, I'll get a new laptop every three years. And, and I don't think anyone's really asking the question, certainly if you look at the corporate world, you know, do you really need a new phone? Do you really need a new laptop? Um, and it's, you're right, it's a whole different dynamic that the longevity of a piece of kit, especially in current times where people are potentially a little bit more cash constrained and a bit more environmentally aware. You know, I think it needs to go up the agenda a bit. Can you really cope with 
you know, that laptop for another two years because actually it's still doing the same stuff and fundamentally you're only opening spreadsheets and reading your email. Why do you need a Carlos Fandango super quick, you know, high-end graphics card when all you're doing is mucking about in Word? Yeah, it, it's, so it, it's those sort of things, I think, the, the, the consumeristic behaviours are driving a lot of the, the, the downside. I think the other thing is clearly all of the manufacturers are very much focused on revenue growth um, and their own expansion as a business. Um, it's not in their interest to allow people to use laptops for more than a period of time because their revenues will drop off a cliff. Um, so bringing out new chipsets, new features, new functions is all part of their, uh, their, their sales pitch. Um, and on that basis, you know, there's a whole industry that is now geared up to sell more stuff. It's just all about consuming and selling more stuff. Um, and without that churn of equipment, we're in a position where people's profit margins and revenues will drop out quite dramatically. So it's a big problem. It's the, the industry is, is, is not in an ideal place to be supporting environmental footprint. Where we need to get to is to change buying behavior such that people are more aware of the impact of each of these decisions they're making. And at the moment, as I say, that the IT channel and the IT manufacturers are not 100% transparent on some of those things. Or renting it, similar to you know what you do with Office 365. And a lot of, compared, we've got our own software that to you, you're not renting it, but you're kind of, you're, it's a service, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, certainly uh, renting hardware is enormously sensible. But again, that probably drives a bit like rent, you know, renting a car. You know, it, it drives buying a new car every three years, fundamentally. It's just a different financial model. Um, if you could extend the life of the product is obviously better. Uh, and, and so it's, it's really just trying to work out how best to achieve that. And, and I think it, it's, it's a, there's a lot of IT departments in, corporate, in, in the corporate world where they have a policy that says we're going to refresh laptops every three years. No one's actually asking the question, do we need to refresh laptops every three years? <laughs> that, that they, they want, and, and you know, again, it's behavior driven. A lot of the people in the IT world are sort of slightly geeky by nature. I'll put myself in that camp as well. And so you like shiny new toys, you know, like the latest, greatest gadget. And on that basis, you know, every three years, three years seems like a long time in technology. So it's how do we change some of those behaviours to make sure people consider the impact of those policies and those attitudes uh, to try and drive better environmental footprint from the technology world? It's that consumer behaviour. Just It's quite interesting what you just said about, um, you know, if you own an Apple Mac it will last you 10 years if you own an iPhone and the chances are they own both. You're right. They get rid of them every two years or one year, but it's the same person with that same value. And I own an iPad. I've had it now for, it's got to be 10 years. It's as good when I got it as when, you know, and so therefore they're iPhones. And I know Laura, my other half has got an iPhone that's lasted God knows how many years. And so, their products still last. So that's funny, isn't it? The consumerism mm. and the difference in, but it's that behavior change as well. It's so multi-leveled and multifaceted, this whole um, conversation. And, and for, for the, for the non-Apple um, consumers, you know, laptop users uh, or, or Android phone, uh, there's, there's a whole different dynamic there. If, if you're a, if you're a windows laptop user, you will be familiar with the, every five minutes you get an update from Microsoft, which slowly clogs up your machine, which means that you know, after three years you need to change your laptop because you need deep thought or whatever the biggest, greatest computer is to cope with all of the updates it's gonna to have to process that week. I mean, it, so, so I, th I think you're right, it's a combined, it's an industry problem. It's, it's not a hardware manufacturer's problem. 
because they're using software that, that causes a problem. It's a consumeristic problem. There's a problem with the channel. So, so it's, it's trying to work out how we structure that so everyone's a bit more aware and a bit more savvy to, to ask the right questions when they're buying stuff or if they're churning their, their IT assets. We, we, you've touched upon where uh, manufacturing takes place, um, Asia, and the travel aspect of equipment, and that's going to play its parts. How likely would it be that we start to make um, equipment more locally? I mean, there are niche um, manufacturers I know of in the UK, um and there must be if they're in the uk they would imagine they're all around the world in their um, different countries and i guess it's a bit like a um, niche shop that is on the high streets that you need to go and visit um i wonder how likely we could get that to start to work more again yeah i mean the, the problem we've got now is that all of the major technology vendors are so far ahead of everyone else you know for anyone to build a brand new piece of it that could overtake the major manufacturers. It's, it's almost a, it's a monopoly split across probably 10 major vendors. So it, the likelihood of moving manufacturing, well, sorry, a, a new company creating a local manufacturing alternative to your big brand IT vendors is pretty slim, I'd say. Um, clearly, you know, the, the manufacturing in, in, in Asia and, and you know, other countries is driven by a number of factors, labor being one of them, lower cost labor, but also access to natural resources and, and, and um, rare metals, um, which you know probably aren't abundant in the UK or, or, or certain countries. So a, a range of factors. I think if anything, um, being a bit more sensible about shipping methods and shipping uh, efficiencies would be quite an interesting dynamic. You know, we're in a position where obviously quite a lot of IT assets get shipped by ship. You know, by sea um, and, and that's not quite as bad as shipping by plane um, but it's still got an overhead there must be other ways of doing it and again it's all a supply chain question what what could we do to make that aspect of the environmental impact of technology more effective um, and, and lower impact on the environment and I think certainly you know if we're looking at this holistically buyers need to understand that um, the problem is if you think about the layers I just described in terms of the technology supply chain an end user will buy from a company in Brighton who's going to sell them a laptop that company in Brighton has bought from a distributor who will probably be based in Basingstoke and they are getting stuff shipped from China there's so many layers to the supply chain that no one feels any accountability or responsibility to announce the impact of their specific area um, and so it takes quite a, a persistent or a perseverant buyer to actually channel or drill all the way through those four or five layers of supply chain impacts to understand the full environmental impact of the purchase they're making because um, mm. their, their contract fundamentally is with the guy in Brighton and he probably doesn't know where it came from. Yeah, that makes sense. So what, what can we do? You know, I know that's a huge question, but what can we do? I mean, what, have you got any ideas about how we can tackle this? Yeah, I think, I mean, clearly there's a lot of environmental frameworks out there that we could, we could layer onto the technology industry quite easily, I think. Um, and just the sheer process of, uh, of asking the question will start to drive the right behaviours. I think, as you say, there's quite a lot of facets to this, that the hardware manufacturing and, and 
shipping aspect is one aspect and, and and that's something that you know is the same with any other product you know it's being shipped and manufactured and therefore those you know, the environmental impact of that manufacturing process could be quite easily analyzed in the same way that any other product is i think the broader nuance of technology is the stuff we started the conversation around it's it's the impact of um not just the manufacturing process but what people do with that asset so you know we talk about the cloud and data centers and and how will they those processes impact the environment and I mean, fundamentally i think all the data centers in the world are currently using three percent of the electrical uh, capacity of the uk of the, of the, the globe um so you know people should really start to favor um data center providers and cloud providers who you know have a good environmental record on usage of of energy i mean there's some really cool technology has been around for a while where you know there are data centers in the nordics and iceland mm. that use hardly any uh cooling power because they just open their windows simplistically and let the natural cooling happen that, that brings the it equipment back to operating temperature and it's those sort of things where people need to think a little bit outside the box about okay i'm buying a computer or i'm buying a cloud service you know it costs two pence per minute um that will cost me x hundred thousand pounds over the course of a year you know what's the environmental impact of that you know am i buying it although it might be the cheapest thing in the world because it's from a well-known retailer who's got you know an it presence as well but actually is there a better way of doing it both an equivalent cost but also a lower environmental impact because other companies care more about the environment than maybe others do yeah but, but i think the, the key action number one is asking the question encouraging buyers to ask the question encouraging the channel or, or anyone who's in the it world to be able to answer the question and to ask the question of their suppliers to go right the way through the supply chain and ultimately we'll get to the manufacturing process um which is probably the easiest bit to measure anyway yeah i mean I've, a lot of behave a lot of the change will happen through i mean you see it in um supermarkets i mean tesco's for example about five or six years ago were massively hemorrhaging money their profit margins were going down and down people were just not buying from them they they you know they they were in a downward cycle and it was largely because they had become so big that every single one of us knew someone in their supply chain whether they worked at tesco's whether they were a farmer, whether they were in the um, distribution, with you know, at some point, and they treated their staff so badly and everyone so badly that everyone was went, well, I'm not going to shop at Tesco's. I've got the choice, mm. another one or Tesco's. I'll just go to the other one. It's easier. And they got a new CEO that came in, and they massively changed everything around. Their profit margins are now going up, and it wasn't rocket science. Mm. All they did was treat people nicely and just go, actually, we will talk to our farmers and go, we'll pay, we'll pay a be better price and a fairer price. And we will. And that's, that's all they did. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone started going, oh, and I, I remember going and in meetings or going to parties and talking to people and it would come up in conversation and it was, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. But now it's, yeah, don't care. And that and i guess i'm using that as an example for how behavior can be changed within the it industry and yeah and it's it's a good example because it, it 
Tesco's are a big brand, yeah? Mm. And in, in the IT, like I say, there's probably 10 major brands. There's a gazillion little brands or medium-sized brands, but everyone knows the big American acronyms that, that are used to support the IT industry. Um, it, it would quickly buy, uh, change behavior if someone said, I'm not buying laptop maker X because they are you know, spewing stuff into a river in China. And, and we found out about it because we've analyzed the, um, the supply chain properly you know, and the manufacturing processes. And, and I think the, we're just not asking the question in terms of what can we do? We as a buying community and the complex supply chain that supports IT just isn't, isn't asking the question and, and we don't have the reporting capability and we don't have the audit capability to go right the way through the, the, the buying cycle and say, A, do we need this? And B, you know, is it the right thing to buy in the context environmental rather than just commercial uh, attributes? I wonder if one of the reasons why people, why we've never really done it as um, people is because we really, we're all secretly in love with gadgets. Yeah. And so therefore we know that actually we need to change our behavior. Yeah, I mean, this it affects everyone. I mean, we can sit there and blame individual companies or, or individual sectors, subsectors of the technology world, but in reality, it, it, everyone should be taking responsibility for this. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I'm as bad. I, I, I am one of these people who churns his iPhone every three years, you know, shoot me now. And it's not necessarily because I need to, it's actually because the commercial construct of my phone contract says that I should change my phone every certain number of years. So, mm. you, you know, it's, we're talking about fairly profound stuff, but like I said, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. And I think the fact that we are even having this conversation and, you know, the, the, the top down procurement pressure is starting to open people's eyes to some of the impacts of some of these acquisitions in its own right means that we, you know, things are moving. I think all the excellent work that's being done by people like Greenpeace and, and, and some of the other sort of environmental activists is raising the, the, the agenda generically across everyone's viewpoint. Um, with all the COVID stuff, clearly IT actually has, has, has done a good job. You know, we've we've managed to keep a lot of industry sustained because people have the technology to have Zoom calls and you know talk without you know, having to go into the office. And on that basis, actually, the technology that we're using right now will support a reduction in travel to the office and commute times. So, so there's some benefits, but like I said, there's a whole raft of things that, that technology could be used for the positive. And at the moment, there's still a lot of negative that we need to address by tipping the balance a little bit. We could actually make quite a substantial change quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I'd like to just look at the certification and um, if you are a buyer and we want um, consumers to buy, is there, any, is, is there any certification or anything out there that... Um, kind of says this is a more environmental product or um no no I, i've been in the technology procurement world for a number of years i i don't i'm not aware of anything i'm happy to be proven wrong mm. um but i don't believe there is a uh an easy to acquire and commonly used metric or standard or certificate that, that you can pick up and say right these guys are, are are environmentally friendly clearly there's a lot of iso supported you know green standards environmental standards which some of the bigger guys will do the, mm. the issue that we've we've got in in the channel if you like is it's a very fragmented world so you've got about in the uk there's about one hundred and fifty thousand companies who 
claim to be IT companies, yeah, according to the ONS. Um, so the bulk of those are very, very small. And then, you know, if, if you're turning over 30 million quid, you're in the top 100. So that gives you an idea of the fragmentation. So in that context, very few of those companies are either have the time or the cash to uh, invest in securing ISO standard environmental accreditations for, for the business they perform. And so on that basis, I think there is a market for a certificate or an audited process, which is a quick start job to get to the ISO. And, and basically, you know, to, to, to just get people to ask the questions around what they could be doing to offer more environmentally friendly technology solutions to their client base. Mm. Okay. I mean, the, the problem we've got as per this conversation, it's enormously complex because within that channel layer, you know, you've got potentially manufacturers, you've got people who offer consultancy and advice, you've got cloud providers, you've got people who offer refurb technologies and they've all got slightly different environmental attributes. And, and I think the, the clever thing is, is trying to tie up someone who's got deep environmental understanding with someone who understands the technology supply chain um, to, to get to a position where that package of questions can be answered in a consistent way and scored so people start competing you gamify that process and and you know different providers can get up a league table of how environmentally friendly they are i mean a classic example absolutely gets my goat i'm going to go on a bit of rant here will sorry about this mate but you know in the it industry obviously i mentioned the top 10 vendors that um that, that everyone's aware of uh, generally speaking up until probably this year uh, they hold annual partner conferences yeah? so um, all the 150,000 companies that I talk about, the IT companies, will jump on a plane and fly to Las Vegas and sit and listen to a load of corporate uh, uh, technology guys talk about how great their product is. Um, they'll get drunk for three or four days and they'll fly back again. And so, you know, rather than that being a virtual event, which actually this year has had to be largely, you know, historically, it's been the jolly to look forward to in the summer. But if you think of the environmental impact of those 150,000 companies in the UK, and the rest of them are all around the world being summoned to Mecca, Las Vegas, big hotels, um, to listen to someone talk about how great their latest iPhone is, then that just strikes me as utterly bizarre. And why, do, why should we, you know, if, as a buyer, I would dearly love to be able to re recognize the people who don't who think, oh, maybe I shouldn't go on that plane, you know, or maybe I should assess what I'm doing from a travel perspective more intelligently because the environmental impact is enormous. It, it's just a, it's just a thing. And, and that whole uh, culture needs a bit of reassessment, which is why I think we need to just start asking the questions. Yeah, I think, but then again, it, it, could, it comes down to that consumer behavior again, doesn't it? Because you've got someone that they know that they don't necessarily need to go to Mecca, but they want a jolly away from their husband or wife mm -hmm. and kids. And it's three or four days away where they don't need to think about anything. And it's an excuse. Mm. It's an easier excuse than to go, I'm going to go off kite surfing um, with a bunch of mates. Because, yeah. well, do you really need it's to go? It's work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so you can see why it, ha why it happens as well. And there, I would imagine that there's an element of, funness as well because the people that work in that world actually want to see um the late well obviously can't see steve jobs now but um you know they what 
want to see these people that they know so much about. So, because um, it happens in the medical world as well. Well, mm. I've, I've got friends that go off to conferences in. I mean, I've got one friend who goes to a conference in a ski resort. Um, I can't remember someone like Verbier for a week every year, and he's a doctor, and mm. it actually really does sound like a proper conference. And he was justifying it to me. But they go skiing every day. This it's the whole thing is around the fact that you can also go skiing. Yeah, but it's also it's it's cultural. If you're not there, and and also sympathising a little bit with the the company I'm talking about. If you're not there, you're you're not respected yeah. by the. There's a pressure from the vendors. If you're a real partner of mine, you're gonna jump on a plane, first mm. class, and get really drunk for five days because that's how we value our partners. Yeah. You know, how does that work? And so I think we need to start injecting questioning into a lot of these decisions. We're picking on this one specific, but you know, that there's a whole raft of things that we could do in in mm. the technology supply chain better where people just rather than sitting there thinking this is the way it's always worked why don't we ask the question do i really need to go to mecca to listen to someone talk about the latest phone do i really need to you know um fly someone in for a meeting uh when actually zoom will do you know do i need to buy that asset that's three years old uh, to replace that asset that's three years old when actually it'll do for another two years all these sorts of things you know are, are just simple questions that we could be asking which we're not because we've always operated like this largely driven by consumerism and, and the, the 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 need for gadgets yeah. so it, it's a, there's a big cultural shift we need to take i mean there's so many things we could do and i, mean, I, I was talking to someone earlier on about a company i was chatting to um last week actually about recycling of, of hardware assets and there's a whole industry around asset recycling and, and making sure you're stripping all the appropriate materials out of those assets. Um, and it's really cool. Some of the stuff that's going on, you know, as a, again, as a geek, I think it's really clever and you know, they, they have uh, products where they can use natural enzymes and, and, and what they call bio leaching to convert uh, IT assets to the raw materials that are reusable elsewhere. So rather than just you know, extending the life of something, you're actually extracting the benefit of the, the rare materials that are in the, the IT asset to, for reuse those sort of things I think are very rarely done. I'd love to know. I have no idea, but I'd love to know what portion of it hardware ends up in landfill because people don't know what to do with it. Mm. Okay. Rant over. Sorry about that. Will. that's all right. Anyone that wants to um, ask us or tell us um, if they know any answers, that'd be brilliant. Um, come and talk to us podcast at greenelement.co.uk. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think, we are in a really interesting space at the moment because Extinction Rebellion, um, Greta Thunberg, and people on the whole are becoming more aware of sustainability as a whole and what it is they're buying. We've just either coming out of or right in the middle of um, a time in um period of our lives that we're stuck geographically in quite um local areas therefore that's going to make an impact on people's behavior and thought processes it's already seen knock-on effects with people's with landlords and um, businesses um working therefore it's and, and knowing from talking to peers in our industry are we're 
sustainability consultancies aren't doing too too badly mm. um, because even though we're business to business people are still talking to us and going we need to do more so therefore that's a positive um change in itself which means stuff's going on stuff's going on around and i think this is a really pertinent podcast for that particular reason I think the other thing to consider is that, you know, we've talked very much about the downside of technology. Some of the software and automation bits will have some really interesting changes to society overall, which could bring some really good environmental benefits. Obviously, video conferencing is one very small aspect of it. But, you know, there's a number of artificial intelligence and automation type solutions where you can switch things off when you're not using them. As stupid as that sounds, you know, actually the process of switching something off manually is a bit of a pain so you know there's a load of software products out there that can automate processes to, to switch things off and on again i mean it's so stupid but that could have a massive environmental impact and if, if you think of things like you know, most corporate it companies you know, large-end it companies that have got their own data centers will leave their computers on all night you know, even though they're not being used they leave them on all night and one of the big benefits of using the cloud is that you can automate some of those processes to reduce your power consumption associated with when you're not using the, the assets. And so you know, technology has got a role to play in fixing the problem as well as being the problem. Um, yeah. and it's just all about trying to find out how to, to find that balance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And so where can we find out more about you? So, so my uh, website is www.embedded-it.co.uk. Um, or by all means, you know, have a look at me on LinkedIn. I can't remember my URL because it's a bit long, but uh, <laughs> I've won about a billion Phil Clarks on LinkedIn. But if you everything will be on the um, on the page anyway, the podcast page. So absolutely, about that. <laughs> yeah, but I think I mean in terms of this specific topic, I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm a broad brush technology procurement guy. Um, so you know, there's a lot of things that we consider. But in terms of this specific technology, we're looking to embedded are looking to launch over the next couple of weeks. Um, the questionnaire that I've been talking about, you know, what are the questions that we should ask IT companies um, that will drive these sorts of conversations? So you know, look out for that. And obviously we'll, we're working with that with you on that anyway. So, you know, ensuring that we can get that message and that discipline out to the, the, the companies I'm talking about with quite an interesting step forward. Be interested to see if people's feedback as to whether they think that'll be useful or not. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this and you have any burning questions that you would like to be included within that, It'd be really interesting to hear those because I think it is a crowdsourced um, type of piece of work because as we have now just discussed for the last 40 odd minutes, um, it's multifaceted and the ramifications are huge, but also incredibly hard to decipher. Yeah, it's a complicated world, but I think it's all about getting the right structure in place and asking the right questions. Yeah, perfect. Thanks so much for today. Thank you very much for being on. Good to see you. Take care, mate. Welcome to this week's um, Green Element podcast. I'm really hoping that you're going to enjoy this conversation. It's actually a bit different to what we usually talk about, where it's all about an actual business. This is about an industry and how we can change that industry. We talked to Phil Clark from Embedded IT, and he is a he's a fascinating individual um, that really is trying to embody his character but his wanting to understand more and wanting to green up his industry and we explore how we can look at the it world and how we can make it more sustainable
hope you enjoy it. <laughs>